Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Political Party Daily, the seventh episode of this special daily election series. And today I'm joined by the Secretary of State for Health, Matt Hancock. He's also the Conservative candidate for West Suffolk. and He's been the MP there since 2010. We talk about a variety of things, as you, as you would imagine, with the NHS in an election campaign. Does Trump want to get his hands on it? Do the Tories really care about it? What do the, I mean, we know how the public feel, but Matt has a couple of stories that may surprise you about uh, the public reaction to him as NHS Secretary. And we talk about how his granny managed to live to such a ripe old age. I began by asking Matt, and if you follow Matt on social media, you know why I ask this, why he's up so early in the morning. Got three small children. Alarm always goes off at six. Well, you, you, I'm sure you're up early for your fatherly duties, but people who follow you on social media can yeah. see that you're often out in the streets first thing in the morning in the dark, Yeah, taking the Conservative message to all parts of the UK. Yeah, I'm loving it. I really, really enjoy campaigning. We've got a really clear message, both on the NHS, extra investment going in in all parts of the country, and obviously on Brexit as well and moving the country forward. So I feel in this election, we've got a good message. Uh, we've got a great campaign that's going well. And so I'm up and about and at it. And you, you post these videos on social media that I think are quite knowingly comedic. Well, I'm glad you've spotted it. <laughs> um, but well, that's the first question. Are they? Yeah. And secondly, if, if they are, why aren't most people cottoning on to the fact they're meant to be slightly kind of jaunty? Well, I think people do, don't they? The, uh, of, of course, I mean, the funny thing about social media is, is you get a load of abuse. I've noticed the amount of incoming I get has increased significantly since the start of this campaign. But it's also a great way to get your message over. But you can't, you know, you, you, I suppose you can just be plain vanilla, but it doesn't... It just doesn't have the same impact. It's also a great way to express a bit of political personality or just normal human personality. <laughs> yeah. um, because I, you know, I have a, uh, I have a very strong view about what needs to happen uh, for the country. Um, but you know, I, I also enjoy politics. I enjoy life. I, I, I love the job that I do. Um, I love the, uh, the. Um, I love the way that you've got to get your, you, that you communicate and using modern technology to do that and to try, just try to get your personality over a little bit because it's really, that is hard and especially when there's so much incoming uh, from, from the other side. Social media, I suppose, you know, for, for a long time we said politicians can't show any personality and people don't want to see it and then it feels like we're living in a period now where the shackles are off a bit. Is yeah. that just because of social media, do you think? Or? It's definitely partly. Yeah. Yeah. And and also just because, you know, the the period when before I went into politics, when um, when you and I were growing up, it <laughs> the, there was so much control 
that yes. people have rightly reacted against that, and they want they want people to be normal. And I know everybody says, "Oh, we need authenticity." It's true, right? We are human beings. We have the same. We have the same flaws. I mean, we have some flaws unique to ourselves. We have, and we have the same uh, quirks of personality. So why not? Why not allow that out a bit? Honestly. So you've got, you got you're very good on social media. You, you did launch a few years ago a Matt Hancock. App. Yes. Is, is that still going? Yes, it, it certainly is. Ten thousand followers. Uh, I use it for communicating with my constituents in uh, in in Suffolk. Um, I was on it a couple of days ago. There's a uh, because in this election campaign, obviously, uh, I am uh, I'm, I'm not only um, running uh, nationally as as health secretary, putting across our argument about uh, how it's the Conservatives who are best trusted with the NHS because we can have that strong economy that can pay for it, and we're putting record levels of investment in and. And, and, and tackling the big challenges that the NHS faces. But I'm also running to be the MP for West Suffolk. And uh, the app is a great way to communicate. And in terms of doing both, I mean, you're now thrust into a campaign. We've been a prominent uh, Conservative politician for a while now. But this is, a, this is a very big brief. It's at the heart of was at the heart of the EU referendum campaign. It frequently tops people's priorities when it comes to the British public and the things they really care about. Yeah. How are you finding it, this campaign, having such a big brief that, it, that is at the heart of of it, as well as having to campaign locally. Well, I, I feel a, I feel a great sense of responsibility about that. Um, I, but it's also an opportunity to get our message over. You know, the um, the investment that the NHS needs. I'm absolutely delighted that we've been able to secure that. We're only able to do that because the tax receipts are, are coming in because there's record numbers of people in work, record numbers of people paying taxes. Um, and I really very strongly believe that the NHS is is one of the things that brings the country together. But I also think that from my side of the political aisle, so to speak, that it is essentially built on values that any conservative can relate to. It is a, It is essentially patriotic that all of us pay our taxes and then all of us collectively are there for each other. For anyone when they fall ill, I think that's that. That if you believe in the nation state and in uh, and and you're essentially patriotic, I think the NHS plays straight into that. And and the other thing that really matters is that often politics can be seen to be about policy, and that's important. But but the relationship people have with the NHS is an essentially emotional connection, and the reason is that it's there for you at highly emotional moments of your life. If you think about, you know, where, where some of the worst moments in your life, yes. frankly, uh, also some of the best. Uh, but it, and in this job, I have people who will cross the street and come over and burst into tears and tell me about their or often a loved one's recent experience in the NHS. And people just want to express gratitude and say thank you. And they say thank you to me, I suppose, as the as the political uh, leader of the NHS. Um, but what they're really saying is, thank you. I'm glad that the institution is there. And if you believe in institutions, if you believe in the country trying to come together, then then you believe in the NHS. I'm surprised that people come and thank you. Not that it's, they shouldn't thank you. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. but I'm surprised that people would thank a politician. Mm. And, and with the greatest respect, I'm surprised. So was I the first time it happened. A politician well, for the NHS. Well, the, you know, Conservative Secretaries of State have run the NHS for the majority of its history. Uh, and we are putting in the largest and longest cash settlement in its history. We're building, we've got a record 
um, uh, the biggest hospital building program in a generation. Um, people know that and people can see that and everybody understands the NHS is under pressure as well and it is and the the aging population uh, the increase in demands is significant uh, but people also it's uh, people's experience of the NHS is in the vast part very very positive and if you look at surveys of satisfaction with the NHS they are at record levels and um, and, and so, um, and so people do. They they cross the street. They burst into tears, and, and sometimes they come up and hug me. And I I didn't expect this before I came, became health secretary. It is a, it is a it, the first couple of times it was a very strange experience, and um, and it's a, it's that emotional connection, and people want to have somebody to say thank you to. But I. I... How hard is it? Because you talk about this emotional connection that the country has with the NHS, but I mm. think it's fair to say that at various points in its history, the Conservative Party ideologically hasn't always had that emotional connection. There would be parts of the Conservative Party that would have looked at, and maybe still do, look at the NHS with maybe uh, hungry eyes and think, well, you know, there's part of this we could sell off. No. Does the state have No, to you know, this? not only am I against that, but also um, that argument has been settled as far as I'm concerned. Um, the, we've given it a, the NHS a five-year funding settlement, um, but also um, the uh, the support in the country, the very strong consensus behind this being the way that the NHS is funded, free at the point of use, paid for out of general taxation. I think that issue is settled. It certainly it's not it's not something I've had a single piece of lobbying. On from a Conservative MP in the 18 months I've been in the job, or from any MP. It's, but when you're it's at, settled, it's consensus. But within it's the Conservative diaspora, you know, when you're at party conference, you're talking no, about the no. Institute for Economic Affairs, no. and they're saying, oh, come on, Matt, you know, you know it's ineffective. We could get some, we could get some no, market because, forces in there and shake this no, thing. No, because it's not ineffective. And it, it's, uh, very, it's very good value for money. Uh, in terms of the quality of health care we get for the uh, for the amount of our national uh, uh, income, I suppose, that we put towards it. It's a it's good value for money. Uh, and also the big changes, which I think are very exciting in healthcare, are not around the sort of structural reforms of the past, the sort of Blairite style structural reforms. They're not around uh, changing the way that it, it's funded. They're around harnessing modern technology and, in particular, the power of data properly used, um, properly safeguarded, but also uh, properly uh, interrogated to improve both service delivery, to improve clinicians' lives, so it doesn't take them 15 minutes to log on in the morning, you know, so they can use the sort of high-quality uh, products that you've got sitting in front of you. The laptop. The, right, we're recording this on two laptops. Uh, five years ago, that would have been a massive stack of, of things with dials and what have you, and now it's on two laptops. Um, technology is, is the big, exciting frontier in healthcare, and it happens to me, my, my background, when I went into the NHS knowing, uh, uh, you know, from a tech background and having just been the digital secretary, I, I worried that some people in the health system might reject this and say, oh, no, no, no we, you know, we tried technology. But it's just uh, my hand. It's been wonderful. My, uh, they've bitten my hand off for it uh, because um, because firstly, the technology used on the ground by clinicians in hospitals, the frontline technology is so poor at the moment in so many parts of our NHS and at the other end of the spectrum there's so much potential from from really cutting edge technology to save lives as well as save clinicians time 
So it's been that has been really exciting. That is the new frontier for improving the NHS. And that's where the excitement is and where the, where the, where the debate is. But in terms of the way the NHS is run and, and what it represents in terms of, as you say, basically tax and spend in order to look after the health of the population, it doesn't, that, that must challenge your conservative values on some level because no. in every other area you think actually where the, where the private sector can, can play a role, it should. No. Uh, and yet, but not in the NHS. Why not in schools? Why not in the police? Why is the NHS different? Well, we fund schools by, through general taxation and the police, and so we should. So it, it's a yeah. The straightforward conservative belief is that you need a strong economy to pay for good public services. I mean, that's it. Um, that's at the core of the uh, of of how you run a good modern country. And that, I think, is the, um, I mean, that's certainly, the Prime Minister articulates this as as well as anybody does. And isn't it an irony that in this general election, there's only one party that essentially believes in the settlement that we've had for uh, for generations in this country, which is that you have a free uh, market economy and you use a load of the taxes that that generates in order to pay for strong public services. There's a, it, it's, it's, it's astonishing that only one side of the political divide is making that argument. You know, where, where, 20 years ago, both sides fought over that territory because that is not only what the majority of people believe in this country, but it's also obviously the right way to run a country. But in terms of the NHS, Labour has seen... I mean, I know the recent polling suggests that the Tories are marginally ahead on the NHS, but traditionally it's seen as a Labour issue. Well, in the past, but, you know, you can't just gloss over the fact that now the Conservatives are as trusted, if not in some uh, reports... A little bit more trusted than the Labour Party. In a couple on of the, volatile polls. I mean, but it's a, but it's a Labour heartland issue, isn't it? The NHS. No, traditionally it is. It has been in the past, not anymore. <laughs> well, well, it's just true. I just report. I'm just reporting what people. Well, there think. might be a couple of polls, but no, but, it's not a couple of polls. It's repeatedly and consistently. But it's more. Would is it fair to say though that it's more ingrained in the psychology of the Labour Party? The That's NHS, what they think. Than it is in the. But do you do you find that Tory members are as obsessed with it as Labour people are? Absolutely. They care that it's there for them and their families. Absolutely. Yes. Just in terms of uh, in terms of conservative policies. You know, look at this election. Just go back. You know, look at this election. Um, I've just finished completed yesterday afternoon my 50th constituency visit. I'm off today uh, to Yorkshire, Derbyshire to start number 51 and onwards. Um, You know, there is there is more demand for. for commitments on the NHS within the Tory family uh, than uh, than on any other domestic subject, and 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 there is a this is a it, it, it's an issue that matters enormously to people in my party. In terms of uh, the responsibility on your shoulders, really, as Secretary of State for for, for the NHS, uh, recently has reported key targets for cancer hospital care and A and E have been missed for over three years with delays in hospital care and A and E hitting their highest levels since both targets were introduced. Um, if you're putting all this money in, if if you believe in the NHS, why are these targets being missed? Because demand's higher than ever. So let's flip that on its head. Um, there are there was a seven percent rise in the last year in the number of diagnostics tests done by the NHS. We have seen a record number of people treated in A and E. Uh, there's a record number of people who are getting treatments on the NHS. 
Um, the NHS is doing more and doing more cost effectively than ever before. Um, the number of uh, we're also targeting that support for towards those who need it uh, most. The number of people who were waiting over a year for an operation has fallen by ninety three percent since twenty ten. So this is a uh, this is clearly there are increased demands uh, and increased pressures, but I reject this idea that there's a that performance in the NHS um, is is going down. Perform the NHS is performing a huge amount more than it ever has done, using resources more effectively than it has done in the past. The the challenge is we have an aging population. In, and and the baby boomer generation are coming to the point in their lives when they need more and more uh, health uh, health care. That you know that isn't a bad thing. It's a it's a it's a it's a matter of fact. Um, and um, some people, yeah, in this debate, the tone seems to be the population's aging. What a what, what, what a bad night. thing. Yeah, not true. It's a good thing. Well, it's for conservatives because they vote for you. <laughs> That's not. It's a good thing. You need for, elderly people. Oh, you are such a cynic. It's good for people that they that people live longer. Oh yes, healthier I, would, lives. I would rather we lived longer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, my grandmother lived till she was uh, one hundred and three. Oh my and, god! Uh, so in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. What was her we were, secret? Hey, what's her? I secret? asked her that. She said dancing. Maybe wow. she, yeah. Dancing. She go. um and um yeah she she prescribe she, it she she it, well we go we are doing that now social prescribing it's the big movement yeah no she grew up in uh, Nottinghamshire Excellent. pit village Which and one? Uh, in Bestwood oh yeah cool, yeah okay. and uh, all of her brothers uh, went down the pit and she uh, she left school at age fourteen and was expected to look after the her, her brothers and instead. She took the big step of getting a job in Nottingham itself. Good on her. Yeah, and there she met uh, my grandfather, and essentially, you know, that whole side of my family were were uh, Nottinghamshire miners for forever. Anyway, she she you know she she left the pit village and. Um, she lived to 103 by uh, by, by dancing. And if you, it's a you great know, message. You come from a family of Nottinghamshire miners, would they be voting Conservative? Do you think? Oh yeah, yeah. Even then, yeah. But, oh oh now, well, um, uh, I think she I think she always did, uh, but but uh, you know the 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 East Midlands, you know, essentially, you know the, you know, we're 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 patriotic people, and uh, there's only one patriotic party in this race <laughs> it's a bit like it's a, it's funny isn't it there's only one party representing that balance between a strong economy and well-funded public services there's the only Lib one Dems. Oh, and it's good over. to have them it's good to have them represented give over and there's the only TV one debate. and there's only one um party that is essentially patriotic at this election ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to blue and use promo code. Listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code. Listen at blue for $50 off blue code. Listen. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In terms of uh, tonight's big TV debate mm. on uh, it would be Jeremy Corbyn against Boris Johnson, you faced Boris Johnson. Uh, for the Conservative Leadership Contest. What tips would you give to Jeremy Corbyn for, oh, that's <laughs> for debating great. Boris Johnson? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely not going there. I'm definitely not going there. Um, he's a great campaigner, Boris. <laughs> what, you know, if you had to give a compliment to Jeremy Corbyn, I think it is nice sometimes to kind of acknowledge your opponent's strengths. What, what would you say, kind of, as a campaigner, you've, what's the hardest thing, you know, when you come up against him, what do you think his greatest strength is? Uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. What do you think Boris might struggle with tonight? Uh, well, that, the 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 compliment I was going to pay to Jeremy Corbyn is one that Boris can deal with better than most, which is that um, Jeremy Corbyn just um, yeah doesn't do sound bites, but then nor does Boris Johnson, right? Um, that uh, and Boris communicates very directly and. Um, and and we've moved away from sort of soundbite politics. But and and if you think back to 2017, that at that point was fresh coming from Jeremy Corbyn. It ain't fresh anymore. And in terms of your relationship with Boris, after you stood against each other for the leadership, and you know you said some things during the leadership campaign about about him, but now you, you now you're uh, you're allies. Does he ever bring that up? You say, you, you, Matt, you, I can't believe. Some of the things you said That's quite uh, uh, about me during the, uh, you know, I, of course I forgive you, but I, you know, I didn't want to hear any of that stuff ever again. <laughs> the, well, um, no, no, he, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. We're very. The thing is that we're very close on our domestic politics. You know, he's he's a liberal conservative. You're not saying I got my eye on you. I, if you launch a leadership bid at any point, I come on. There's, there's certainly no. Talk of that in in my party. Um, in terms of, I mean, the, the backdrop to all this, of course, is Brexit, and as a result, in terms of the NHS, is people's concern about medicine, and that was people's fear over a No Deal Brexit was that medicine might not be able to come into the country. Yeah. Um, and the, the, part of the context of that is a, a, a trade deal with Trump, and and the potential uh, for the Americans to maybe get their hands on on the NHS. Uh, Woody Johnson, Trump's aide, said uh, he would think that the NHS would be on the table in a trade deal. No. People are worried about it, though, aren't they? Uh, they, they? They needn't be, because the NHS isn't on the table. And that you mentioned that uh, quote from Woody Johnson. Two days later, the president uh, made clear that the NHS won't be on the table. Very trustworthy and, man. And, and has done repeatedly since then. Um, the... Um, you know, the the thing is that we now have a, a new Brexit deal that lots of people didn't think the Prime Minister would successfully negotiate. Uh, I backed him partly because I thought he was best placed to get a new deal, and he did. And I think a lot of people were surprised on the upside by that. Uh, as Dominic Raab said at the weekend, no deal is effectively now uh, off the table. And uh, I think that I've always thought that um, the best way to leave the EU is with a deal. We've got a good deal and we can get straight on with it. So from my point of view, having having uh, backed Boris because I thought he was best able to get a deal, I'm delighted that he did. It frustrated me as much as anybody else that we couldn't get that timetabled and through the House of Commons. 
And uh, but the great thing from this, the point of view of where we stand now and the clarity we've got in the at this election is that we have we are ready to go with the deal. And um, I think that can bring a lot of people together, people who might have in the past thought about voting for other parties, whether it's the, you know, my 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 dad is a swing Brexit voter. Uh, and what does that mean? So no, he voted Remain and now he's leave? No, no, no. He voted leave and he's a uh, he's been a, he was he was a UKIP waiverer in the past, and wow. he's voting Conservative because he is a uh, because he believes very strongly in um, uh, delivering Brexit. My mum is a very liberal Conservative, uh, very much a Remain voter. Um, she voted. She's voting Conservative because she doesn't want Jeremy Corbyn. You know, so this is a. Uh, this is a clear message and an approach that can bring an awful lot of people together, people who might consider voting Lib Dem. We've got a deal, so it's going to be OK. Uh, there's a reassuring message there. On, the, on those who are ardent leavers and uh, uh, believe very strongly in delivering Brexit, this is the way to deliver Brexit. And so delivering Brexit with, with this new deal... Is a is, is is has real resonance with people, not least then because of the extra argument, which is then we can move the country forward. Which I, you know, after having lived the politics of the last three and a half years, we, uh, you and I both, I'm sure, uh, feel strongly about. In terms of uh, Donald Trump, I mean, he's now said you, you're right to say that he said that the NHS is off the table now. But this is a man who makes policy on a whim. He's, he's a volatile individual. He leads a very powerful country. He's a bombastic individual. Um, 70% of the public, according to a recent poll, don't trust that Boris Johnson is, is telling the truth when it comes to the NHS and that he'd be able to protect it from... 45%, sorry, of the public don't think yeah, Boris Johnson gonna... is telling the truth. 70% of them want the NHS safeguarded. Yeah. It's a big worry for people. I mean, people must be saying it to you in this campaign. No. No one said to you, please don't let Donald Trump get his hands on the NHS. Well, the, uh, the, the, the absolute clarity that we've got, that the NHS isn't on the table, the prices that we pay for drugs... It won't be on the table. We've got total clarity over that. And um, in fact, we are able to have that clarity because we'll be out of the EU. You know, this debate was run in the past around EU trade deals, TTIP in particular. Um, then the EU decided the terms. This time we'll be deciding the terms and we've got absolute clarity and uh, total um, uh, unanimity that the NHS won't be on the table. So it's it's very straightforward. It's going to be over in a few weeks, Donald Trump, for this NATO summit. Have you met him yet? I haven't met him, no. Are you looking forward to meeting him? Well, I, the health secretary doesn't normally go to the NATO <laughs> summit, funnily enough. But at some point, I'm sure your paths will cross. Well, there you go. <laughs> I have enormous I mean, respect you, for it, the office of the President of the United States. Oh, for the office, indeed, yeah. I mean, do you, do you, you talk about the politics of the last few years. You're a one-nation kind of guy. Yeah. Do you often sit there and think, oh, man, if, it would have been a lot easier if you'd voted to remain and Hillary Clinton would have won? <laughs> well, you can't do what-ifs, can you? What you can do is what now? And what now then? So, I mean, in terms what of- now? What now? What now? We win the election, deliver Brexit with the deal, get moving, deliver on uh, the commitments to the improving the NHS, keep the economy going strongly, get the country moving forward. And what's your and prediction? wouldn't it be a joy, right? <laughs> wouldn't it be a joy if we get a majority Conservative government that we can actually spend a few years getting stuff done, you know, moving things forward? 
uh, yeah, as opposed to this uh, total mess that we've had for the last few years, I, it would just be such a relief. I agree that it would be nice to move things forward, but yeah. I, I think Brexit nobody else moves can... us back. No, 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 not with this deal. But it's not as good as staying, is it? That's the problem. Yeah. It's as good as staying. It's, it's, it, it's better because when you have a democratic vote, you have to abide by the democratic result. I believe in this democracy argument incredibly strongly. And I think that, uh, it, for, especially for people who voted Remain, we, and especially for people like me who promised to respect the result in advance, you cannot, you just, in a democracy, you've got to abide by the results of democratic votes, even if it didn't go the way you wanted. You've got to, because otherwise, what is democracy? So just two quick questions on democracy. What's your prediction for this election? My prediction is I and my colleagues will work as hard as possible. <laughs> for the outcome. For, to win. Uh, we are not complacent. It is not straightforward. And we need a majority conservative government so that we can move the country forward. And you think you'll get that? I very much hope we will. And um, if you had to guess seats, what, what would you... I don't. OK, so majority I'm, I'm a, uh, as the great Linton Crosby once said, I'm a... Uh, participant not a commentator on this election and uh well that's very uh, diplomatic and just in terms of your campaigning tips then because you're uh, you're first thing in the morning as we all see on social media mm -hmm. you're working long days uh how do you stay healthy and stay sane dancing uh, i wish that would be it we should do that um, we should do that um the uh as, so exercise as much as possible uh you know eat healthily Get as much sleep as you can. Sleep is, you know, it's uh, it's underrated. It's very important in a in a in a campaign. The thing is, you got it because you got to be fresh, and um, you got to be you got to be energetic. But do you have rules like no chocolate, no alcohol, stuff like that. Not particularly. All good things in moderation, you <laughs> and know, what, including the occasional waffle. Oh, I haven't got any waffle. Of course, yes, peckish. the Belgian waffles. Exactly, but you know, all things in moderation. And. Um, what are your vices, do you think? I know you're the health secretary, so this is a difficult question. What things do you think you could do to be healthy? What would you cut out oh. of your diet? Yeah, well, the waffles. <laughs> uh. A new waffle tax, maybe? <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, I'm a One Nation Conservative. <laughs> Matt Hancock, thank you so much for coming in. Well, there you go, Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State for Health. We're delighted that he could come in so early um, and fit us into his packed schedule before he headed up north. Uh, and, of course, the NHS central to this election campaign. And it'd be fascinating. It still feels like we're at the start, almost pre-election campaign. Now, maybe tonight's leaders' debate shifts the debate on a bit. But it'd be fascinating to see where trust in the NHS and whether that becomes a bigger election issue than it currently is. Traditionally, of course, uh, a Labour heartland issue. But is Matt right that the Tories can really own that issue? Well, who knows what happens in the next uh, few weeks. Keep your uh, hilarious campaign stories coming in. Politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. Philip got in touch. He says, Matt, I have a dreadful story from the 2015 election. At the time I was working in the law faculty of one of the country's ancient universities. Teaching members of the faculty often had dinners with judges and senior lawyers where we could talk about recent legal developments under Chatham House rules. One such dinner was held the night after the 2015 election. A lot of us had stayed up to watch the results come in the previous night. Everyone was abuzz with a surprise Conservative majority. At dinner I sat next to a High Court judge. 
He asked me whether I was surprised at the election results, which I replied I wasn't. He seemed to be shocked by this and pushed me further. I told him I thought that white van tweets and other calamities during the campaign made Labour look out of touch with their base and that I was unsurprised Ed Miliband had commanded even less support than what everyone was expecting. I was referring, of course, to the infamous episode during that campaign when Emily Thornbury had tweeted a photo of a house draped in the St George's flag with a white van parked outside with a caption, image from Romford. My dining companion was disquieted by my reaction and seemed quite uncomfortable, much to my surprise. It was then I realised the judge I was talking to was Sir Christopher Nugie, the husband of Emily Thornbury. Nothing more was said. Oh, man. That is the sort of thing that would haunt people forever. With the greatest of respect, Philip, I mean, it's still haunting you four years later, so I hope um, you can... uh, somehow get over it but keep those stories coming in politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com any political mishap of any scale just to uh, lighten the mood and make all those people campaigning in this election feel uh, slightly less bad about the mistakes they make thank you so much for downloading this do share it on social media tell all your friends about it review it on iTunes and I'll see you tomorrow <laughs>